1: Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast.
2: You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and James Jones. And this season, the We Are West Ham podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia, or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West Ham business in the West Ham family by giving Miriam a call or a shout, it's Miriam Errington conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under. Well, who would have thought that West Ham United not signing a striker again, after two years of trying to sign a striker who didn't really fit in our team, would have come back to bite us in the backside? Well, I'll tell you what, I would have thought that I'm Will Pugh. James Jones, my podcast co host, he would have thought that. Most of you listening would have thought that. In fact, most people who support West Ham in this country of England, where I live, in the greater British Isles, in Europe, indeed the Northern Hemisphere, actually the entire globe, anyone associated with West Ham United would have probably thought, hmm. You know what? Starting a season with only Mikel Antonio, a converted right back, Divine Mubama, a teenager, who's showing promise, but yet to be proven. And then Jared Bowen, who's clearly our best player as a right winger, who can also play up front. Every single person that I've just listed then would probably have thought, you know what, actually? We could probably do with another striker. We could probably do with another number nine. We could probably do with another professional football player who could do with playing up front. But no, 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 no. Not West Ham United, not David Moyes, not David Sullivan, not Karen Brady, not Tim Steiton, not anyone involved in forming a squad of players who are capable of attacking a Premier League and a European campaign with a bit of vigour. And with a bit of desire to actually win it, would have thought that, apparently, even though there's 60 to 65,000 people that pay their hard-earned money to go and watch West Ham United each and every week at London Stadium. Apparently that doesn't matter because they don't want to see West Ham playing with a recognised striker. They're quite happy to see West Ham playing a right-back a right winger or just a centre forward who just doesn't really fit in with the style of our manager. Apparently, they're all happy to see a player like that play up front. Because West Ham United are facing a situation again where Mikhail Antonio has reportedly got injured on international duty for Jamaica. Jared Bowen has got injured. We don't know how serious it is yet on international duty with England, which leaves. David Moyes and West Ham United with Danny Ings. Danny Ings. We all know what that those two words mean to West Ham United fans after his recent, and I put these words in the strongest of quote marks, performances. And Divine Mbemba, a young centre forward, a teenage centre forward, is showing so much promise. But West Ham are fair play trying to make him sign a new contract and to make him do that. They're leaving him out the team, giving him less game time than, to be honest, he probably deserves, especially when you consider the competition he has got up front. And I am so bored of talking about the striker situation on this podcast. Me and James Jones have been speaking about centre forwards and our lack of ability as a club to sign one for five years, I think it is now since we started doing this show as the West Ham fan show on Love Sport Radio, which then blossomed into the We Are West Ham podcast when COVID hit. But here we are yet again, James Jones, talking about centre forwards and our club, our beloved club's lack of ability to sign one. I don't really know what else to say. This isn't a surprise. People get paid millions of pounds to run our football club properly. We are just fans and work in sports media. I understand it. But seriously, anyone with two eyes in their heads can see that the way we went into this season and our striker situation was not good enough. And shock horror, this time before Christmas, in previous seasons it's been afterwards, we've been bitten in the backside by our lack of players who can play as a number nine. What the hell, James Jones,
1: is going on? Well, you know what's going on. West Ham United's going on. Um, it is not in the least bit surprising that we've ended up in this situation. Like, you could see it coming a mile off. We're talking about putting all of our hopes and dreams on a 33-year-old 30, converted striker who happens to play for Jamaica and we're relying on him to get through three international breaks before Christmas, playing for Jamaica. You know where they play? They play all over the place in Caribbean. Jamaica, I think. S- yeah, 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 South they're playing, America. Yeah. They're not playing international friendlies in Europe. Um, or World Cup or you, or whatever dead rubber you know, world cup European you know, qualifiers, yeah. Whatever whatever they are. We know that three times before Christmas, if he gets called up, he's travelling five, six thousand miles. And not know, his I, fault,
2: by the way. Not his fault. Not his not fault. His
1: fault. No, we're not blaming him. Blaming the club, they knew yeah. what they were getting themselves into by not. And I don't think it's even the fact that there's an inability to sign a good striker. It's the refusal to sign a good striker. Because I'm, I'm sorry, but no club goes this this length of time without signing a, a, an effective striker without having some kind of doubt as to whether they actually need to do it or not. Like I'm convinced that Danny Ings was just a, oh, the fans are calling for a striker. Let's just bring one in, sort of, sort of signing. I think that's what it's becoming quite clear that that signing was that's what it was. Um, well, we we deserve to be in this, in this position, right? We deserve. Well, we to be don't. The well, don't. The fans we don't. The fans don't. But the club does. Me the and you
2: don't. The fans. Those of us who pay higher, hard earned money to go and watch the, this team week in club- week out do not deserve it.
1: James, David nor Moore's, have we for the David past Moore's five or six or
2: seven seasons.
1: David Morris and the club deserved this dilemma that they're now in. I um, have read this evening that Jared Burry's injury isn't um, as bad as first feared and he may not miss any games, which is a result. But this is the situation oh, you have we're told in, me
2: is before I've done that really elaborate introduction. But be, it's,
1: it's, not, it's not the point though, and it doesn't really, doesn't really change anything. The fact is, is that We've pinned all our hopes and dreams onto a 33-year-old converted striker um, for a season, or for at least half a season, knowing his international commitments will take him, you know, five, six thousand miles away three times in the space of three months, um, and expecting him not to get injured. We know how dodgy his hamstrings have been in the past, um, and then only what three weeks ago it da- it must have dawned on David Moyes that we can't go on nights like forever. So he's now trying to convert our most effective player into a striker. Which has now, worked,
0: to be which fair. has worked
1: up to now. Who is now also has injury concerns due to international football. And you're scratching your head, going, "Look, everyone can see this coming a mile off. Everyone can see this coming a mile off." But it, it it's not even surprising, not even in the slightest. As soon as I saw the report coming, I was like, "Well, I'm surprised it didn't happen back in September." Like it, it was going to happen. The guy, yes, the last couple of years he's done pretty well to. Avoid injuries like he used to, um, but the fact is, he's 33 years old. He's going to get more injuries now. He's not. Like, he also especially seems when he's travelling. analogy mark, to
2: scoring goals,
1: which obviously is is not ideal, particularly in the situation we're in. Now, if Jared Bowen does miss the weekend's game against Burnley, it's Danny Ings or Devine Obama and you know what the fans want. Fans don't want to see Danny Ings at anywhere near that starting eleven. Like Obama must be sitting there rubbing his hands, going, "Right, well, I've been waiting for an opportunity. This is the perfect opportunity to get on that pitch and show you what I'm all about." Yeah, and and to uh, and to to prove that I am worth a little bit more money on this new contract that you really want me to sign. Potentially, um, he must be sitting there going, "Well, if I don't get an opportunity now, I'll never get one, and he'll never sign that contract." Definitely. Definitely. So this is this is an opportunity that if if West Ham really rate Mbama and want him to sign this deal, give him the chance now. And the, the only way he signs that new deal is if he plays football. Well, he's got a perfect opportunity to play football now. Put him on a pitch. See what it's all about. And if he, if he flops, take take the contract away from him if 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 you have to. But at least give him an opportunity to to see that there is a route into that starting eleven, and see that there is a reason for him to sign that deal. Um. It's, it's obvious what should happen, whether it does happen or not. I suppose it all rests on whether Bowen's fit or not. But, yeah, I don't know. I sort of saw this one coming a mile off, mate, um, and I've kind of just shrugged my shoulders at it. It's just like, well, it was going to happen at some point this season. Like, it was always going to happen. Apparently, mm. we've been linked with seven seven strikers ever since the news broke.
0: Yeah, by who?
1: Uh, one of and which, one Hudo. of which is Dominic Solanke, obviously. Uh, don't um, even talk to me about it. So, so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry the, yeah, great thing.
2: Is yeah. I know, I know, I know for a fact that that is a that is a legitimate story. Yeah. That another another goal shy. Uh, we've had Graham Nicholas on this podcast, right? Really esteemed journalist who's been uh, in and around Bournemouth Football Club for many years, like decades, esteemed journalist, knows people, knows what he's talking about, watches Bournemouth week in, week out. He came to this podcast early this season and said, yeah, don't waste your money, chaps. Like, hmm. it, 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 he, he is where he is. He's at his level. Like, don't don't waste your money. Honestly, James, right, the, the one thing, what we'll do, and I know we, that whole elaborate intro, I'll tell you what, it's one of my, genuinely, I'm more proud of that intro than, most of the ones I've done the, this podcast in the the four to five years we've been doing the the podcast of the radio station, the radio show, and if Jared Bowen now plays in the weekend, I'm gonna feel like the biggest chump in history. But you are actually right. The the point what you said was it's not really the point because mm. the fact of the matter is Jared Bowen is an international player now. He will get picked by England because he's that good. So therefore, he's not a striker. Plan accordingly. No, you're you're right, and and that's why I think the crux of this is one thing I will say. Right, so as we always try and do on the podcast, it's a balanced view of this whole situation. Is that what I think? what We've got to realize when you are a club who play a one striker system, right? You, it's a struggle to att- uh, attract strikers. Yeah, you and you look at Tottenham under Harry Kane, right? Uh, look at all the absolute duffers they've had in reserve because quite rightly and quite understandably if you're a Tottenham Hotspur and you play a one-striker system and that one-striker is Harry Kane when you're going out into the market you've got to try and convince someone a young man who's trying to make his way in the world and all right you might be able to persuade him with money but you basically got to go well yeah, we, we play one centre-forward, so when Harry Kane's fit, Harry Kane plays. It's a slightly easier sell at West Ham. Well, it's a way easier sell, because you've got to go to someone, look, we play a one-striker system, we're going to pay a few quid for you, as West Ham did with Sebastian Haller and then Gianluca Scamacca, and all you've got to do, all you've got to do is be better than Mikel Antonio. Mikel Antonio, who scored three goals i think in the prem last season a few more in all comps and that's all you've got to do he's he's, he's in his early to mid 30s his best days are behind him and he's not actually an out and out number nine but what that man does is works his socks off for west Ham every time he puts a shirt on right his ability might have deserted him a long time ago But he works his socks off. He runs the channels. He bullies defenders where he can. And yeah, his his decision-making and first touch might have gone. But all you've got to do, you've got to do the hard graft first. And as a younger man, you've got to then have a better touch and a a bit more better decision-making and all that sort of thing than Mikhail Antonio. And West Ham, whether it's West Ham's board, West Ham's recruitment department. You can't pin all this blame on Tim Styton. But we we've been unable to find someone who can do that. Like, and so I, I do give a bit of credit to David Moyes because it's a hard sell when you're a when you play a one striker system, it's harder to attract strikers. But now what Mikel Antonio is offering is not that much of a hard sell anymore. And I no. think, look, the, the, the Scamacca and Haller didn't fit the system. They didn't work. And you go, all right, fair enough. You spent money. Fair play for spending money. So rather you do that and get it wrong than not sign anyone at all, like what we've done this season. But look at the – we we signed so well in other areas of the pitch. It can't be that difficult for a club like West Ham United with a financial might playing in Europe – to have a scouting network to find someone somewhere, be that in the UK or abroad, who goes, you know what, they're physical, they they can run the channels, they'll do the hard graft, and they've got all they need to do, all you need to do as a striker at West Ham is score 10 Prem goals a season. And as long as you're doing all the other stuff that brings other play, other attacking players into play or score goals as well in a David Moyes system. You scored 10 goals a system and work your socks off. There must be, James, another centre forward in Europe who we can find, highlight with starting and any of our other scouting network, and then pay the money 40, 50, 60 million well, credit. Just is. signed, sold Declan Rice for 105, and then pay him a proper contract and then put him up front and him be better. And then look. Honestly, James, it's like Groundhog Day. It's 2023. I reckon you could dig out content from the We Are West Ham podcast from 2018, 2019. And we've had almost the same conversation as this. I've got fatter. You've got skinnier. We've both got a little bit less hair, but it's the same content. And it's infuriating. When will it stop?
1: It's the same content, um, and I'm just reading the headline now. West Ham are furious about injury to Mikel Antonio. It's like, well, you're only furious because you, you, you've, you've been exposed for not buying someone in the summer. That's why you're furious. Like you, Injuries to players in international duty happen all the time. Like This shouldn't be a surprise to the club. They f- like, they're furious because everything's... What are they furious about? Well, they're furious because they've been exposed for... But, yeah, but what's not, the
2: fury? What? What is the story? Like, I
1: don't know. It's on the Telegraph and it's paywall, isn't it? So, um, uh, not really. what
2: furious because? But Michel Antonio's gone to play for the country. He has every right to play for.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, it's no other the publishers have covered that story, but yeah, the Telegraph <laughs> have run it. West Ham furious about injury. Um, suffered on Jamaica duty. Like, and you should you should expect it. They should. They should almost. Yeah, it should just be, oh, well, it's likely that these players that play international football are going to come back with a hamstring injury or a knock or something like that. So we need cover for some reason. Our football club doesn't see it that way when it comes to strikers. And um, they're now furious as a result. And it's just a little bit silly, really. But we've been here before. We'll We'll be here again. It is what it is. Um, and hopefully, Divine Obama gets his opportunity and bangs in a hat trick.
2: Well, yeah, okay. Um, look, I mean, what 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 do we do from here then? Because we've we've spoke about it. Just assume that when we're recording, look, let's let's give people the, you know, honest opinion. It's the twentieth of November, eight o'clock. Not really sure how bad Jared Bones injury is but you are right if it turns out that he's actually fit to play this week and everyone goes look look how angry you were so well not really because he could easily get injured again and then we're in the same situation what do we do as a club from now you know assuming jared bowen is injured but even if he isn't what do we do it's november the 20th january window opens in six weeks time. Danny Ings is is you chocolate teapot player if ever we've seen one. What do we do?
1: Well, I wonder whether Kudos is being lined up as a potential striker.
2: Then who do we play um, midfield?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is the thing, mate. I mean, whatever you, whatever you do now, you either you either put, put a little bit of faith in Deban Bama um
2: I agree. Uh, I agree and i yeah. think if
1: it, if he doesn't get any minutes during this little period then i think that says all, all we need to know about Moyes' thoughts on his ability to step up i don't think um, you can
2: just put it on Moyes, though can you because they want him well, to
1: sign a new deal well but play him then so but if yeah. moise decides oh, not agree, to play yeah. him if Moyes decides not to play him, and I think this says a lot about Moyes' views on his ability as a, as a player to play in the Premier League. But um, you've got to that's, that's not, not dig that Moyes also
2: might have... That's not Sorry, a dig at
1: Moyes. That's not a dig at Moyes. I'm just saying everyone keeps calling for Mobama to play and to get more minutes. Now the opportunity has been sprung upon David Moyes to probably give him more minutes because two strikers are injured. I'm putting Bowen in the striker category there. Um, if he now doesn't get any minutes ahead of, or not even ahead of Danny Ings, alongside Danny Ings, because you know Ings is going to play now, then it says, yeah. it, it suggests that perhaps, perhaps David Moyes doesn't think he's ready or doesn't think he's good enough um, to take on that role. But, I, but what, what do we do now? It's not just on
2: I, David Moyes, though, is it, mate? He's the one no, picking the team,
1: right?
2: No, but you've got to right? acknowledge that they'll have meetings with the board and, you know, whether it's Tim Steiton or the board or the people making the contract decisions, they'll have meetings and he's going, look, you know, the divine Obama's pushing for more money or he's pushing for a move away. Like, you know, he's asking for too much or whatever it is. Moises quotes recently were, look, you know, along the lines of lots of players have made bad decisions before there's obviously a club-wide move trying to make Mubama sign a deal at a certain level. Mubama obviously wants more than that. We saw it with Ngakia. We saw it with Grady D in Ghana. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mubama ends up in the championship. But So it's not just a 100% oh, if David Moyes isn't picking him, it's on him. There'll be other factors at play, won't there?
1: There will, there will be, but at the same time, like I said right at the beginning, you know, if you want him to sign this contract, then give him more minutes, give him the game time. Like at the, end of the day, if you want him to sign a contract, you must think he's pretty. You must think he's worth a new contract. Yeah. You must think he's good yeah. enough to stay at the club and remain in the Premier League um, and remain in the first team or in and around the first teams. If you think he's good enough, play him. Simple as that. And if no, you play, I agree
2: him, now. Yeah.
1: If you play him, then more chance he's going to go, actually, no, I do want to stay. I do want to sign that deal.
2: Yeah, And look, if, if, if we play him and he smashes it and he bangs in a few goals and he at least he's looking like he's trying and he's working hard. And even if he shows that he's not at that level quite yet, in the in the period between now and December, I definitely want Mbama to play, right? Or you play Kudus up front and then you just whack Ben Right. But I think give Mbama a few games. Give him a few games now. I mean we're doing this, all this. Right. Is right. We're, we're, doing
1: we're all playing right. but we're playing Burnley on, on Saturday. We've got the yep. worst defence in the Premier League. Yep. I mean, yeah, Cat's away from home, but there's is no better game.
2: Declan Rice made his
1: debut away at Burnley. There you go. No problem. Look what happened yep. there. So like there's no better game just to chuck my bamboo into the deep end and go, go, on, mate, here's a yep. Premier League start. Crack on. Show us what you and got. give
2: him a run. Give him a run he's, to try and get used to it, see if he's up to it.
1: You know, you, you're against the Premier League's worst defence this season. Yep. Go for it. Go for it. And then if he
2: proves he's worth it, give him a, you know,
1: whatever it is, 30 kind of grand again. a week
2: deal that he's after. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, honestly, th- this is the perfect, in a weird way, it's the perfect time to give him a run out. Just quickly, James, as well, um, you know, because out of the two of us, I apparently... Um, I'm happy to pay a Telegraph subscription uh West Ham are furious amid fears Michael Antonio served uh sorry suffered a long-term injury with Jamaica flying back to England for scans as concerns grow he could risk them uh miss the rest of the season with damage to his uh, medial knee ligament went off late against uh Jamaica against Canada sorry Jamaica against Canada on Saturday night saw limping down the tunnel Here's the crux. West Ham are understood to be angry because Antonio played for more than 10 minutes after sustaining the injury, While well, they're also unhappy with the state of the pitch at Kingston's Independence Park. in return for tests, and there are hopes he may only miss up to six weeks. But the worst-case scenario is Antonio could be absent for up to nine months. That's a John Percy story, a very, very esteemed journalist in The Telegraph. Listen, Antonio plays for Jamaica, he's going to play on substandard pitches. West Ham knew that. If he's played for more than 10 minutes after getting an injury, all right, you know, fair enough. There might be grounds for a bit of anger. But ultimately, it's not for West Ham to sort of act like this is a super surprise. The worst case, him being absent for up to nine months is based on previous injuries that players have sustained to their medial cruciate ligaments. But it also says he may only miss up to six weeks. So take take it for what it is. And ultimately, yeah, if the, the only bit that West Ham are genuinely like fair enough to be angry about is if he played 10 minutes after he got injured. But look, I, he, he, I think the ultimate thing here that we're both saying, James, is whether he's got injured or not, really, West Ham shouldn't be in a position, shouldn't have left ourselves in a position where... Mikel Antonio. All respect to him for the work he's done at West Ham. Is our only, you know, yeah. or is our main centre forward option? And Danny's is your backup. Like you, you've you've well, boxed yourself into this position. You've left yourself open to it. Someone's got injured. Two players, maybe. And yeah, yeah, you, you only got yourself to blame, really, as a club. it
1: will be interesting to see actually what that timeline is. I did my medial knee ligament playing rugby years ago, and I was out for eight how weeks. long? Are you out for? eight weeks eight weeks yeah well there we go
2: i mean you're obviously a physical specimen aren't you so
1: indeed yeah but i mean that was when that was i must have been about
2: 13
1: 13
2: yeah oh in which you would definitely you'd have been drinking more than michel antonio then wouldn't you
1: at 13 100 yeah yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) right Listen, James, James, have you got anything else to add on this situation? I think we've made the point. No, we always have podcast. There's still to room ever. to, you know, this story is still going to flesh out a bit. But I do, let's make it clear. I do appreciate it's difficult to attract strikers when you play a one striker system as a club. Tottenham found it. Other clubs who f- play that one striker system find it. So appreciate that it's a struggle. But when your one striker is Michel Antonio, I feel like. All we needed to do is West Ham is go again. It's fine that Hallett didn't work. It's fine Skamaka didn't work. It's annoying. It's not fine. And you should do better. But don't, just after it's failed twice, go, oh, I won't bother. I won't bother at all mm. then. will just go Mikel Antonio forever. At some point, you're going to have to replace him. Um, but anyway, uh, James, we're all we're doing this week Uh, We're supposed to be in a rush. I'm definitely going to get in trouble because we've been speaking about, Mika. I feel like I'm getting in trouble from you. Definitely going to get in trouble from my girlfriend. Not going to get in trouble from work, I don't think. Uh, I've had one of those days where I'm trying to please everyone. Um, So without trying to infuriate you anymore because we've already gone 10 minutes over the 15, I promised this little slot would take us um hopefully the listeners are going to be buzzing with it and this is exactly how they're feeling about the striker situation um we've done that what this podcast will sound like to everyone listening is this little rant from me and you about strikers then it'll be we're going to quickly really quickly do betway charity bets there's been another win I'm just going to say, anyone who doesn't follow Wheel West Ham podcast on our social channels won't know that already. Any of you that do will know that there has been another win, two in two, like London buses, indeed. Um, and then you're going to hear the Claret and Blue View, which is back again, the Claret and Blue View with Will Pew, which we only coined that title because it rhymes. Uh, I spoke to Joe Connell earlier on today on the 20th. Great bloke, Joe, friend of Lute and Steve, who's been on the podcast earlier this season for the Opposition View. Uh Yeah, Clarence Blue View's back. Promised you one last week in the international break. So this podcast will be that. Uh, me and James will do the Betway Charity Bets next. Then you'll hear from Joe Connell. And then later this week, you will have an Opposition View. Me, once again, an Opposition View with hopefully Simon Townley. Who's been on the show before, or one of the guys from the Turf cast, Burnley podcast ahead of the weekend's game at Turf Moor. That is how it stands at the moment. Therefore, Josie, you know what? I'm not even going to do the housekeeping, mate. Everyone knows to follow us on at we are underscore West Ham. They know to follow us on Instagram at we are West Ham pod. They know to buy us a pint if they want to buy me a coffee.com slash we are West Ham. And they know to subscribe to our YouTube channel. At we are West Ham podcast. So I'm not going to do any of the housekeeping. Uh, what I am going to do, James, is ask you to remind me and the listeners what happened with the Betway charity bets last week.
1: Well, I had um I was close again. If I'd have kept my bet from the previous week, like you did, yeah, I I would have won. But I changed goal okay. scorer. Um, I changed it from Bowen to Kudos, uh, Kudos yep. anytime. West Ham to win over six and a half corners. Nice 11-2 to two shot, obviously only got two out of three. Yep. You stuck with your bet, which was both teams to score over five and a half corners and Bowen to score any time, four to one, and that came in. 200 quid profit for the Bobby Moore fund, which I think takes you to 425 quid before bet- uh, Betway have matched it. So £850 yep. in the pot so far for, for uh, Bobby Moore fund. Days.
2: Yeah, absolutely delighted, mate. The London buses principle I use. So as you say, uh, 425 quid overall, I've won two, with my two consecutive winning bets. Just a reminder, Betway give us, me and James, a £50 pound charity stake each and every one of West Ham's Premier League games to put on a three-legged bet builder any winnings from any of those bets go straight to the two west ham link charities that me and james are playing for i'm playing for the bobby moore fund uh bowel cancer charity of course west ham legend bobby moore died of bowel cancer in the early 90s my dad had bowel cancer a couple of years ago so that is why it means so much to me james is playing for the dt38 dylan tom beady's foundation you know all the good work the dt38 foundation do especially linked to testicular cancer in men so yeah betway have kindly agreed to be our charity partner for the season any winnings we win go to those charities and then betway have agreed to match any of it at the end of the season so technically i've got as james mentioned 850 quid in the bank for the Bobby Moore fund. We've raised 20 grand the two seasons we did it before. So glad to get the wheels rolling. Jonesy, what have you got? We've got Burnley at the weekend. And I think, you know, I know we spoke about the Jared Bowen injury stuff up until now. Um, it would be absolutely ridiculous of me not to roll my bet on for a third week running. I know there's an injury doubt, and obviously the bet won't count or won't be valid. Uh, if Jared Bowen doesn't start, but I am going to do my exact same bet again. Both teams to score, uh, Jared Bowen to score over five point five corners. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm a little bit worried because Burnley are quite rubbish and quite goal shy. But I'm going to stick with it anyway, just because of the London buses principle, and hope that it's the three on the bounce.
1: What are you going to do? Fair enough. I mean, I've been I've been hammering and uh last couple of days over this. Um, I'm going with over two and a half goals. Yep. taking into account their poor defence. West Ham to win. Yep. Um, And then it was, I wanted to pick a goal scorer any time. Question mark side of Bowen, obviously he would have been in there. Uh, I think Kudos is due a goal, but I've gone Lucas Paqueta as the goal any time. Over two and a half goals, West Ham to win. Our Brazilian Magnifico to bang one in. That rhymed that's what i played I almost thought you did it on purpose fantastic yeah yeah it's going to win now, stuff, it? i'm a poet yeah. and i'm going to win the bet happy days <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah exactly that mate listen just a reminder um that you can back these bets yourself as i've done actually uh the last two weeks wise i do every week but uh yeah i did last couple of weeks so i've got a few quid in the bin thanks to my winning bets you can bet them back them yourselves if you like at the on the betway website and app in the build up to the game so you'll see these ones jonesy When uh, the game this weekend saturday i'm right
1: yeah so we should have odds probably out by Wednesday. the we'll probably get odds it'll be out on friday
2: yeah okay so friday. if you want to back these bets given that Uh, I've had two winners on the spin. If you want to back them, you can go to the Betway website or app uh, for this week's game. And for, in fact, for every game in the West Ham, having the Premier League, and back a Wheel West Ham bet if you so wish. Uh, This week, uh, yeah, they'll be up Thursday or Friday. All you have to do is go to pre built bets, scroll down, and look for the Wheel West Ham bets. You can back them yourself on the Betway website or app.
1: What I'll do Change. is, as we've got this WhatsApp channel, I'll, uh, I'll whack yep. the odds in the channel once we've got them. And I'll also, if I can, whack a link in there as well so you can go direct to the bets straight in there um, if you sign up to our WhatsApp channel and only if you sign yep. up to our WhatsApp channel. Exclusive yep. link Well, it's not that exclusive
2: because we will put them on Twitter and Instagram, won't we?
1: Yeah, well, I I'm I'm, don't tend to put the link on to it. No,
2: true. There. Yeah, fair enough. So oh, if you yeah, want
1: the if you want the link, you can't be bothered to f- like flick through and find it. Yeah. I'll whack the link in it if I can. I don't even know if I can do that or not, but I'm going no, anyway. nice to try anyway. Just sort what's nice the
2: community, make a bold claim, isn't it? You can yeah, back, why not? Follow yeah. through
1: on it or not? Who cares? Right? Yeah, yeah. Th- that is one
2: bit of the housekeeping that I forgot to mention. You can join the We Are West Ham WhatsApp channel. James tried to explain how to do it. Last week, we don't think it worked, but there is a link to it on our Twitter that actually does work. So, if you fancy following the We Are West End podcast WhatsApp channel, then go to our Twitter and do that. You'll hear from Joe Connell next for the Claret and Blue View. I think my boss doesn't hate me, James Jones. I don't think you hate me, I think my girlfriend might, but I'm gonna go and try and win her over. Right now, we'll hear from Joe Connell. Have you got anything else to add before we say goodbye for another few days before the We Are West Ham podcast listeners hear from Simon Towley or the guys from Turfcast for the Opposition View later this week?
1: Nothing to add other than I'm glad the final international break of the year is done and dusted and we're going into my favourite part of any football season. The fixtures left, right and centre. Um, and yeah, I love this time of year. Brilliant. Can't wait happy days uh you might
2: not have been convinced that me and james love this time of year based on the absolute rant with which we kicked mm-hmm. off this podcast but we feel like most of the other west ham fans up and down the country all around the globe all of you listen to the we are west ham podcast podcast even are also fuming about our state of our ability of buying a center forward anyway thanks for listening everyone Loads coming up for the rest of the week. Thanks for holding faith and holding, keeping faith. Sorry, James, you know what I'm like of analogies. Yeah. Keeping faith with us throughout the international break. Don't forget West Ham are massive. Up the Hammers we will speak to you later in the week. The We Are West Ham podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West Ham business in the West Ham family by giving Miriam a call or a shout. It's Miriam Errington Conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under. This is the Claret and Blue View back once again after a couple of weeks off because of the busy nature of West Ham's calendar now European football is back. I'm delighted to be joined this week by a huge Hammers fan, Joe Connell. I got introduced to Joe. Via and Steve, who you all know on the podcast, of course, uh, an immediate cult hero among We Are West Ham fans for his appearance as the opposition view earlier this season. I've met Joe a handful of times now, always interested to hear his views on the club. Uh, Joe, great to have you with us on the show. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast now. the last time i saw you i think we we're in my new favorite west end pub the outpost um, by westfield and i was relying on you to back me up in an argument with a to be fair one of the drunkest people i've ever seen <laughs> and uh, B, someone who appeared completely incapable of taking on any facts and information uh, which might have changed his opinion on david moise i assume uh you have a, a lot of conversations like that
0: yeah well you know to start will thank you so much for having me on mate um it is an honor i know i might not be as glamorous as dave Shaw, but <laughs> i'll try <laughs> i'll try and offer a bit of insight um yeah no so yeah my mate james obviously had a few few too many beers i think and uh you know me and you are big Moisey boys so <laughs> He's coming out with some uh, some questionable opinions, and um yeah, I think we had to put him straight, really, didn't we, for a little bit? It, it, it's certainly very That's... much like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: listen, <laughs> listen, mate. I mean. It... <sighs> It's been it's been great doing this segment on on the podcast this season. It's it's something new to the podcast for this year. Just to get a bit of a, a, a fresh perspective and and a new view on things for, for me and James, really. We've sat across each other a bit on the radio on the podcast for five years now. Um, and we both basically know how the other one's going to feel on most situations, and you know I think the listeners have got an idea of who we are, uh, and it's, it's nice. It's, it's really refreshing to me to sort of hear a different voice and um, different perspectives on things from West Ham fans as, as well as fans from the other team where we've been doing the opposition view for a while. Um, from your point of view, Joe, just firstly, we'll get into a bit more of the, the nuts and bolts of it later on. How do you feel it's going at the moment? Um for for West Ham.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the whole, mate, I think I think it's all good really. Um, you know, to be ninth after the fixtures that we've had opening the season. Obviously, we've had to play Chelsea City, Liverpool, Villa away, which is so tough. Brighton. Um, yeah, and that was a great scout, when not it, Brighton? Yeah. Um, and I think obviously, you know, our Europa campaign's gone really well. I think away at Freiburg, we were fantastic. Um You know, obviously, the Olympiacos away game was a bit tough. Me and you were there, weren't we? Yeah. And, um, you know, that that wasn't too good. But on the whole, brilliant. Um, And obviously, our League Cup run, you know, beating Arsenal 3-1. Obviously, we've done the most West Ham thing ever and drawn Liverpool away, (laughs) (laughs) which is going to be tough. But, you know, I think they've got got tough games either side of our game. I think they're playing Man United and Arsenal, aren't they? That's it, mate. Yeah. So um hopefully they'll rotate a bit and we just gotta go for it. Um but no on the whole I think I think it's been good. I think you know ninth place after them fixtures is brilliant. Um our run gets a little bit easier now in December. I know the fixture congestion will be a bit tough, obviously with what we are talking about off camera with with Antonio and, and Bowen's injuries. We don't know the extent of Bowen's yet, but it looks like Mick could be out for about three months, couldn't he? Yeah. So it's you know fingers crossed. yeah well uh so yeah i mean it will be interesting to see whether he uses the vine and you know whether Ings gets more run outs which would be a bit worrying but criminal that would be yeah it is yeah but i mean yeah on the whole mate i'm happy i'm happy with it so far
2: yeah exactly mate yeah it's good to hear obviously i think you're You're probably, it's fair to say, cut from a similar cloth to me as far as supporting West Ham goes now, as far as your views on the club, as far as how long you've supported West Ham for and your match going. And Tix, talk to me a little bit about your your West Ham journey. It's like the first question I ask for most of our Claret and Blue views. Just just let us know a little bit about... Hey, got into the the Hammers, what your sort of experience of supporting them has been like for most of your life? Have you always gone to games, home and away, what it's been like? And then sort of what what, what it looks like for you now.
0: Yeah, sure, mate. I mean, um, I come from a West Ham mad family, really. So um, growing up, my dad, he's, you know, he's been a season ticket holder for what, about 30 odd years now. So he used to take me and I've got an older sister. Um, so her first game was probably in you know, Billy Bond's era, early nineties, West Ham. Um, I started going when I was about eight years old. I remember my first game was mm. League Cup against Oldham and we lost one nil. Which sort yes. of what year was that? 2002, I want to say. Right. So I yeah. think it was Roda. I remember, you know, our team was like the Foe, the we put out quite a strong side and we still still lost <laughs> yeah. that sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, Set me up nicely for the next, you know, 16 odd years later.
2: Um, yeah, that's a fit.
0: Yeah, um, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Barkingside in East London. Oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, so you know, an it was... actual
2: East Ender, then,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of, mate. Yeah, so it was pretty easy to get down to Upton Park. Um, you know, because my dad had that season ticket, it kind of alternate between taking me and my sister my uncles, all of, you know, my whole family of West Ham, basically. Um, and my, you know, my grandma, and my granddad used to have a season ticket in the 60s, those halcyon days, Bobby yeah, Moore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just kind of been passed down to me for better or for worse. And, um, you know, as we'll talk about a little bit later, I think David Moyes, as, you know, aside from Lauren Greenwood, probably been the best manager in our history, really. And I feel so privileged to have got to have, really got stuck in and, you know, and been a fan throughout this period. And um, since we made the move for the London Stadium, I've had a season ticket myself. So, yeah, I kind of, you know, although I do miss Upton Park, I I think of London Stadium as our home now, really. And I think, um, you know, after those European nights we've had there, it sort of cemented its its place in history, West Ham history. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and and listen, mate, you know, I've said it to plenty of people before, and not that I, I I don't at all think badly or judge anyone who doesn't like the London Stadium and doesn't go because of that. I've got no qualms with that whatsoever. But I think the choice we were left with as fans, because none of us voted on the move, was well, you know, you if you hate it that much and you don't go, then you don't you know you don't sort of have a football club anymore. You don't get to do a thing that you love and. It, I I totally agree with you. I, I just think that some of those nights we've had there have been amazing, genuinely spectacular, you know, enjoying games severe at home, particularly even Chelsea at home, early doors before the European stuff come. I, I'll always remember some of those games there because mm. I just think automatically celebrating like that and 60,000 West Ham fans singing instead of 35,000 is you know, amazing and, and I I agree, I think that the stadium is only as good as the people in it and the football that's being played anyway just was at Upton Park Definitely. but I, I just, yeah, I, 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 it was a case, would I rather West Ham be playing at Upton Park still in a bigger more, you know, a refurbished version of it? Yeah, probably, I would, yeah. but they're not so it's just a choice to from my point of view or to not keep banging on about it and to make the best of it because otherwise i'll just be miserable forever and i wouldn't have a football club to support so (laughs) um yeah yeah, i completely agree i do make you right on that yeah mate i'd like to do this when everyone mentions their first game west ham the oldham (laughs) athletics 6th of november 2002, so almost 21 years ago to the day, just over 21 years ago. 1 0 to Oldham, uh, Uriah Rennie, League Cup, right was the ref, League Cup third round, 21,900 at Park. How's this for a lineup? David James, Gary Breen, Christian Daly, Ian Pierce, Scott Minto, Michael Carrick, Edward Cisse, Joe Cole, Steve Lomas, TT Kamara, and Jermaine <laughs> Defoe. How the hell that team loses <laughs> to Oldham? Sebastian Schemmel, Nigel Winterburn and Richard Garcia came on um, right. early in the second half, or Richard Garcia waited and until the end. The Oldham team, I recognise one name out of that. Les, well, that? Uh, so, Legs poglia Comey was the goalkeeper, never heard of him. Clint Hill, uh, David Kidder. Beharal and Fitz Hall is the defender, I remember. Did he play One size. Yeah, one-size one size
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: uh, click Chris, Armstrong? Chris Armstrong, did he play for Tottenham? Is it the same one? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Could have been the same one. David Aries, uh, that might actually be... No, that's not the, the Johnny Aries it was he used to play for. Sam, Josh Lowe, Paul Murray, Wayne Andrews, Carlo Corazin and uh, John Ayer up front. Yeah, not names, I must admit that I uh, remember. Dean Holden was on the bench for Holden, but uh, I mean... What, what do you remember about that game? How old were you? And uh, was, what do you remember from that?
0: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have been... I think I'd have been nine then. Um, and I just remember going down with my dad. He always used to go to the uh, Black Lion. So right. I remember I was parking the car, going to the Black Lion. Um, he saw a few of his pals there. Used to, I mean, he's been going West Ham for God knows how long. So they always used to go to the Black Lion. I remember know the ceilings were really low, yeah all yeah. the all the geezers packed in there pre-match, proper um, moody yeah proper yeah. um i used to I used to know the um the landlord there, so he used to speak to him for about twenty minutes, and I was just sort of stood there on my own so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, um and then yeah, doing the walk down, go through all the houses, and then you you know like up to part just sort of creeps over the top of the houses. I remember seeing the top of it and uh you know we used to, um, his season ticket was in the east end nearer, yeah, so the it was else, yeah. Yeah, 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 so upper or, um, or lower, we were upper where yeah. we were. What about you? Is that the same,
2: yeah, the but upper east end, upper row D seat 171, but the
0: other end it was, so it was in line with the
2: penalty area at the bottom right. end rather than the okay, waivers, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, sitting there in itself was, was so funny because. Yeah. What an
2: experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd get but you'd get so much banter between the away fans and that little corner. It was always yeah, just there. Right. Of yeah. Um but yeah, and I remember like walking out Upton Park, you'd smell the grass as you walk out. Yeah. Um, you know, all the burgers on Green Street. You know, it was it was special. It was like it was a little cauldron, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then obviously we turned up with a uh, partnership of Jermaine Defoe and city Kamara and then lost 1-0. So I <laughs> set me up, like I said, for the next uh, 16 years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Did you, did you sort of, because I can't I was too young really to, I didn't have any agency over whether I went to West Ham or not. I think my first game in 1997, I think it was, I think I was five or six. Right. Um, yeah, and I, So, I didn't have a choice really, it was just I was there and I I, I sort of vaguely remember it. Um, did did you sort of feel at that stage you were desperate to go back, or because I think it's fair to say most people would be like, We lost one nil to Oldham, mate. Why the hell did you carry on going?
0: Yeah, nice, that's a good question, really. Um, I did, I did because it was kind of part of our identity as a family, weirdly
2: yeah that makes sense
0: yeah like i remember um down our road where we used to live there there was like a new family that moved in and they put a big tottenham flag on a flagpole my dad was like no you've got to put your west ham flag out the window like just to let them know that we're here do you know what i mean but it's always it's always been that kind of thing it's always been such a massive part of all our lives west ham yeah and um you know, even from that age, my mum buy me all the annuals at Christmas and you know, I've still got them going back 20 odd years. She still still buys me them now, even though I'm 30. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, she never, yeah, you know, even though we we turned out an absolute stinker of performance, you know, I just wanted mm. to just wanted to get back there. And I think um I went a few more times that season. Obviously, that was the season where we went down, wasn't it, with with 42 points. Um yeah. But yeah, it's just little things, you know, you remember your dad listening to games on the radio and like talk sport driving home and it'd be like, oh, for God's sake, like, you know, losing 3-0 to Bolton as we always used to do at the Reebok. And yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's just always been a part of us.
2: Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. I I like that. That season in particular, I think obviously we're similar ages anyway. And that was when I just, I think I had my first, I shared a season ticket with my cousin that year um the year we went down um and then yeah the, the first season of the championship we got one each and it was a it was a strange old it was a strange old thing was it because i remember i don't know if you feel the same i saw i was I, everywhere everyone was weren't they in love with jermaine defoe like, yeah. that year that was the season he was he was absolutely mustard mm. and uh i know west ham weren't and we're unlucky to go down but it was an it was, you didn't really realise at the time, obviously. You know, I remember watching you sort of watching Joe Coe and Paolo Di Canio play just how lucky you were. You had no idea at the time, did you? But yeah. Jermaine Defoe as well. He was absolutely sensational. Yeah, and then yeah. um yeah, it was it was an odd time. But then did you go more regularly in the championship season then?
0: Yeah, so you know, it's still kind of at that point it was probably going about five or six times a season. Yeah, um, and that kind of carried on its way through the championship when we went up again. Obviously, yeah. the first time I asking with Neil Shipley when he scored that goal yeah, yeah.
2: at Cardiff, of course, in yeah. The
0: final. Yeah, so yeah, throughout that season, the next one when when Bobby Z put us up, and then back in the prem, and then that's when I started to go a little bit more when we had um, yeah. I think through the Zola years. Um, yeah, the Dark Ages. Played. That's what yeah. I call that. Yeah. The Zola, the
2: Kirbishly, the the Day the Dark Ages, mate. Yeah. That was tough. They all dude. just
0: merge into
2: one. After the after Tevez left, after that season, uh, there's a, a probably about basically like a ten, ten years of support in West Ham that just smushes into this one like <laughs> bleak spell for me. I know we had one season of the championship and I went loads then and I enjoyed it. Or like games right. as well. But yeah, there's just one big bleak spot. To, for yeah, me, man. to be quite honest, until David Moy's second spell, really, it was just mate, so I... much the same
0: shit, wasn't it? And now I yeah, don't know yeah, no, God, I, I, it was. I agree. I agree with you. And I think, um, you know, it goes back to what we were saying at the pub when, uh, yeah, my mate was a little bit drunk. Uh, you know, you know, times like this you can never dream of. Like no. when we when we were watching, you know, Radislav Kovac the Radvan yeah. sort of can't. Play a ball five yards, you know, yeah. we were just absolutely pathetic. But yeah, now Moise has made us into a cohesive unit. And I think another testament to that is we, we always used to kind of be everyone's second team, you know, like, oh, little old yeah. West Ham, like, you know, they're, you know, play good football, but they don't really bother. But anyone. we'll always beat them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But now we're like, you know, we're a proper side. And I think he's brought that pragmatism, Moisey, and he's completely changed the ethos of the football club. Yeah. and You
2: know. I quite agree, mate. I quite agree. Um, What does does it look like for you now then supporting West Ham? Um, You still live up sort of around that way and get to London Stadium. Where's your seats, that sort of thing? Where'd you drink before? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, mate. So um, I've had a season ticket now for uh, for three season that's my own. So I haven't been sharing with my dad. Yeah, um, I go with my mate Ross, who um, originally the season ticket was his dad's, and he his dad stopped going, so I bought him out basically. Um, and I go with pretty much all my family, um, lots of my dad's friends that he's been going with for years. We all go together. Um, before a game, we'll, we'll have a few beers at the Heineken bar outside the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is which is actually quite a good laugh. And then, um, you know, I, I sit in uh, 131, um, row 11, so quite close to corner flag.
2: Mate, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty certain, Jonesy, obviously everyone listening will know exactly who Jonesy is, co-host on the podcast. I think you sit about 10 rows in front of him. Because been- were, you, were you sitting in your season ticket games for the Arsenal game? Yeah, I was there, mate. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I went and sat with Jonesy for a, on a rare occasion. He had a spare ticket. So I went and sat with James for the game and I saw you walk past me. So oh, pure coincidence. But yeah, I think you sit about 10 rows in front of James, slightly to the right of him in that corner. But they're pretty decent seats, aren't they? A bit more atmospheric.
0: Yeah. Mate, I love it, yeah. So we always stand where we are. Um, yeah. And, you know, the atmosphere, obviously, it's you know, not kind of chicken run up to part levels, but it's um it's still brilliant and all the people we sit around go every week and it's so nice because you kind of, you know, you make new friends and um you know, it's so good because every now and then my one of my dad's lot has a has a spare and my sister's starting to go a little bit yeah. more again now. So she's had two kids. She's firmly back on supporting West Ham now. So she's sort of leaving the kids with uh, with my brother-in-law and then uh, she's coming down every weekend. But she's, like, standing with us as well and, you know, it's just great. It's like a little community where you where you have your season tickets, aren't they? So. Yeah, because
2: that, that has been the criticism, isn't it? Or one of the criticisms of London Stadium. uh look, I really enjoyed it when I come and um, like stood down there for that Arsenal game. But one thing I sort of found is that, you know, and I, and I do find it generally these days, is that, I, I don't know that I was really disappointed that Arsenal game. You're beating Arsenal, we're in a bit of a tough spot anyway. I sort of expected and hoped f- and wanted the entire stadium to be buzzing. I mean, yeah. you're where you sit, there is a little pocket of sort of atmosphere there, and it seems there's a few sort of dotted around the stadium now rather than obviously before you had the Bobby Moore lower, then you had Chav Corner at Upton Park, and then the little bit in the uh. The East End as well, like you mentioned, mm. and everyone would sort of join in off of that. But it all seems a little bit spread out now. And and frankly, a lot of people who I find just care less about the football and about West Ham. And it's more just a nice day out to mm. go and watch some Premier League football, have a hot dog, and a lot. I've sort nothing against that, but mm. I just feel you used to go to Upton Park and really feel like you were part of something. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now it very much feels this was Steve Hart who come on the current Blueview earlier in the season who said now a lot of the time not only him but he feels that so many people there are there as if as if they were sort of going to the theater they're there to watch a performance rather yeah. than they're there because they're desperate for West Ham to win the game of football
0: yeah yeah I I pretty much agree with that as well to be fair mate um I think obviously in that ground, it's a little bit harder to kind of get that like cerebral little atmosphere that we had at Upton Park, just because you're, you know, further out of the pitch and more spread out. Mm. But I don't know whether like a a safe standing section somewhere would really help, I think. Um, I've actually stood in the Bobby Moore lower, and I think that's pretty good for it as well. Um, Mm. But, you know, I make you right. And I see people leaving early as well. Yeah, Why? Cause you just get stuck at that silly stop and go thing, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. might as well stay. I, I just can't, you know. And I think you're right, but then is that because of the expectations now that under Moyes, like they've, you know, people. I, I being... honestly
2: think, mate. I, I think it's that it's it's a combo of a. It's a it's a bit of a you know it's a bit of a ball ache like, to get out of there sometimes, but B, I honestly just think it's because a lot of the the sort of newer type of fans that go in there and this isn't me knocking these people by the way it's just an Mm -hmm. observation is that they just care less than and and i'm saying that from someone who currently and for most of my life west Ham doing well has been one of the most important things uh, that would affect my mood not overly i'm not saying that's a healthy way to live but you know i i think and at upton park i think you've only got across the world right people will say, oh, yeah, you know, Man United have got 500 million fans. And it's like, or they might have 500 million fans who've like, I don't know, who might like, have clicked on a membership thing or would answer a survey saying they support Man United. But what I th- I think West Ham have got a core, a hard core of 35 000 to 40,000 proper fans, people in around the world who properly care and like love West Ham and are really passionate about it. And I just think when you've moved from a stadium that I think it was Upton Park held that right amount of people, right? And there's probably another few more who would come in for the odd game. I just think when you go to a 60,000 arena you've, and you put 35,000 proper passionate fans in there and then the rest is filled up with, meh, yeah, or, you know, not even West Ham fans, maybe just locals who can get a cheap ticket to see Premier League football or people who, you know, don't mind West Ham. And because that's what I think it is, because there's no way, if West Ham are, my rule is, if West Ham are within a goal either way, right? If they're winning, i never leave early. i never mm-hmm. leave early if we're winning. Uh, if it's a draw, never leave early because we could get a winner. Uh, and if we're winning, if we're losing by a goal, never leave early because we could still equalise. Mm-hmm. I have left early in the past, but I honestly think when I look at people and it's West Ham are winning 1-0 or it's one all. With five minutes to go of normal time and they go. I'm just like, all I look and I go, well, you don't care about West Ham anywhere near as much as I do because I'm here for that moment of joy. If you could quite happily miss the whole reason we've come, miss the moment of joy, the equaliser or the winner, and it means you get home half an hour early, <laughs> that you don't love West Ham as much as I do. Do you know what uh, I mean? And I think no, that's no what it is. I think that's yeah. what it is. it's that London Stadium now. And I'm genuinely not knocking these people and the club would prefer it that way because their colour of their money is the same as the colour of mine. Mm -hmm. But I just think that's what it is. You've got people who can take or leave West Ham winning or not. It's probably a more healthy way to live. But, uh, and, and, you know what I mean? And that's why I think there's so many people in that mindset in London Stadium that that's why the ground's half empty by the time the end of the game comes.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, I think there there might be a kind of transition within our fan base so kind of first generation West Ham yeah. fans now have started to go um, new
2: era West Ham fans I call exactly. it yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: and um obviously they weren't there to see no nice. to see the Avram days and all that yeah. And I think, in a way, when all, all we
2: had was the passion of the fans—that's all exactly. West Ham fans had, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and I think, in in that sense, maybe Moyes has been a bit of a victim of his own success because he set that bar—sorry, set that bar so high now—and Um and it's kind of expected for us to, you know, to finish eighth or seventh or whatever. And yeah, maybe, and mate, run and. But yeah, I, I think you're right, mate. And I think maybe after a bit of time, maybe ten more years, hopefully will get that kind of core bigger, you know, fifty-five, sixty-five thousand 65,000 fans that are as passionate as we are. And hopefully we can really... I I just don't think that will happen, mate. I don't think you can turn back time. Because I think part of it is
2: having experienced Upton Park. I think there's a whole generation of fans now who never went. And it sort of, I already sort of started sounding like an old granddad sort of, oh, back in the old days when football was better, and, but sorry, but when West Ham was better, like West Ham yeah. was. Better. But like the experience was better, but West Ham were way worse. So I, you know, it's hard not to correlate our current success with the fact we're in the stadium. And if I'm honest, if someone said, oh, well, look, you can go back to Upton Park at the beginning of next season, uh, but we'll take away leon away will take away prague from you will take away all the grounds you've been to watch west ham in europe i'd say no yeah i I, I honestly would so it's just different and i do think for me it's just important to accept that it's different Mm. not dwell on the negatives because that's adding no value to my experience sporting west ham all my life um and just sort of Except this is the club I've got now. It's still West Ham. I still get experiences, and to be honest, mate, like you'll you'll know it. You're out in Athens. That will stay with me forever, even though the game was terrible. Um, You're going with your sister. I've been with my dad and stuff. Yeah, those experiences are. I'll remember them till I die. You know.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it is that give and take thing. You know, obviously, we did lose that that uh, kind of us and them mentality when we left up to part, because I think it was such a such an horrible place for away teams to go and it was on home fans to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Um, but yeah, as you say, like you know, Seville and Leon, Frankfurt, Olympiakos, like Prague, like these yeah. are just you know, if you told me this would happen 10 years ago, I'd have
1: been like, no chance.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you yeah. know, you know, I guess as you say, that success has come with the stadium move. So you know, I've got no regrets, really.
2: Anyway, mate, let, 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 let's move on because we've done nearly half an hour or whatever on, on just your experience of supporting West Ham. I want to talk about some topical stuff a little bit more. Um, news coming out uh, as we're speaking. It's the 20th of November, which is Monday. Um, news come out. Jared Bowen hasn't travelled with England to North Macedonia because he's got what's described by Gareth Southgate as a small injury that he says won't be too serious. Uh, not really sure on the state of that at the moment, but it appears like Jared Bone will miss at least one, maybe some more West Ham games. Uh, also suggestions that uh, Michael Antonio has hurt himself with Jamaica and is going to be out for months rather than weeks. Uh, potential, some people are even talking about a potential season ender at this stage. Now, semi-tongue-in-cheek, I said good, but that's obviously not good because he's still miles better than Danny Ings and I'd only be happy without Antonio in the picture if Jared Bowen plays up front I think the mm-hmm. team we played against Nottingham forest we started was our strongest 11. But you know it, it's it's easy and quite understandable it, it just flags up the fast that is West Ham's inability to sign a striker this season and mm-hmm find one that fits the system with Haller and Skamaka I was glad I'd rather do that I'd rather try sign someone and it not work out every season mm. than just do what we've done this year and so many before mm. and sign no one what do you make of that whole situation uh, with Bowen and Antonio where do you think that leaves us and and talk to me a bit about the, the striker situation
0: yeah I mean well first mate with, with the striker situation I think our talent ID for that area of the pitch is just bizarre um, you know, even when we went back in, sorry, when we got... I don't Skimaka. even know what talent ID is, but I agree <laughs> with you already. <laughs> yeah, no, just, but, you know, someone to fit Moises' system, basically. Yeah. You know, if you're buying a striker like jean Lucas Skamaka, you need sort of runners off of him. You, you know, Skamaka's never running channels. He's never, you know, going to get stuck in like Mick does, hold up the ball, bring others. You know, he's, he's not that kind of player. And I thought we'd have learned our lesson with, with Halaire. Um, but we did exactly the yeah. same thing, which I just find utterly bizarre. Um, I see that we're we're kind of looking at Solanke again. Um, yeah. The blokes
2: allergic to scoring goals and uh, West Ham are <laughs> looking at him,
0: yeah. Um, and then obviously Stidens, you know outlined a few, I think it's that Adams from Montpellier that he's looking at. I haven't seen anything of him, but Apparently, he's more suited to playing in a you know one-up top system. The way that Moyes plays, you need to be a grafter up there.
1: Yeah, um, a scrapper. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it yeah, wouldn't I mean, hurt
2: if you've got all those skills and can put ten yeah. goals in the net every
0: year, would it? Do you know? No, hundred percent, mate. Yeah. Um, but I think you know if Bowen's injured, I mean that's just a a ridiculous blow, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think this season he's been arguably our best boy he has been our best player i'd say definitely um, yeah and i think with with caduce playing on the right now um bowen's doing well down the middle uh, that's just it's such a big blow and I, I mean i know what you said earlier but i'm a i'm a bit of a antonio fanboy i love him. A bit. Hmm. um i know even now well i think he, he started the season so well you know with a goal at brighton um do you not know think? He was, he was well, no, I, I just, I
2: think, I think we've probably got different ideas and I appear to have different ideas among, about than most West Ham fans about what a striker doing well looks like is. Like right. a striker doing well for me, obviously it's playing well and bringing others into play, but scoring goals is quite important. How I would best describe Antonio is our least shit striker. <laughs> and divine Mbama, I don't include Mbama in that, but... You know, he's just way less bad than Danny Ings is, which is saying nothing. It doesn't mean he it doesn't make him good, does it? He's swapping Volley yeah. Watkins any day of the week or even Evan Ferguson.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, them two players especially, I'd agree with. But I think if you're a striker in a moist system, you're a bit of a sacrificial lamb, at, at, you know, most of the time in the sense that... Antonio has scored goals for us, though. Sorry to interrupt, but he has
2: scored yeah. goals before, hasn't he? Like, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'd agree. That's what I'm with saying. You. Ten
2: goals a season.
0: What did he score last yeah. year? Three in all comps. Yeah, last year was poor by his standards. I think the most he's hit in a Premier League season is ten, isn't it? But like yeah. goal contributions would be about fifteen at his best. Yeah. But um, you know, I think we just look rudderless without him up top. Before we played Bowen up front and we we're experimenting with Caduce on the right. Um, I mean that system's working really well, as you say, Forrest, That that lineups probably our, our best starting eleven now. Um, but you know, as you put it, I think with with Mick being out, I mean Danny Ings is not a is not a Moyes striker, is he? Like at all? No, um, no, and no, definitely not. No, and it's just that's just not going to work. So having both Antonio and Bowen out, you know it's it's you know it's terrible really for us to be honest mate look I'm a big David Moyes fan
2: if he persists with Danny Ings after this he's signing his own he's signing his own uh exit papers in my opinion I love David Moyes but anyone with two sometimes football fans are, are guilty of not all the time to be fair but I certainly am sometimes of sort of you sort of think oh Uh, what do I know? I'm just a fan. I'm not a multi-million pound manager. In this situation, anyone with two eyes in their head can Mm. tell that Danny Ings is at best, if I'm being kind, he's just a really bad fit for West Ham's system. If I'm being a bit harsher, he's completely past it and nowhere near good enough to be playing the Premier League. I honestly think it's probably a bit of both. I think he could probably add value to a team who play to his strengths more. Mm. Um Mm. But he looks overweight. He looks like he doesn't care. His confidence is shot and it's on the floor because Moys keep trying to shove that square peg in the roundest of holes. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's insulting to fans. I think it's criminal that he... I don't think he should ever play for West Ham again. I think part of being a good football manager and being a successful club is also highlighting when you've made mistakes being ruthless. Danny Inks mm. should be nowhere near that team and... I know there's more to it with Mbemba about trying to get him to sign a contract. But if you're him, I'm going, well, if you don't think I'm better than that bloke, then no wonder I don't want to stay. Like you obviously think really, really lowly
0: of me if you don't think I'm better than Danny Inks. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, you know, my mate's a, a big Villa fan. I remember watching Villa a lot. You know towards the latter end of ings tenure there and i thought he was awful then i mean you could tell mm-hmm. his legs have completely gone um obviously he scored them two against forest do you remember when we were looking a bit precarious last season yeah. but then i think there is were, were those last goals for the club like it's just i think it's like 35 games or something like that he's played without without a mm. goal um so yeah if you're divine you're thinking you know, what's, what's the point if he does persist with Ings? Um I just, I just hope he doesn't because I think Mbabane looks like a real good fit for for what Al Moyes, Moyes likes to play his football, and I think he'd do really well for us. To be fair. Yeah, um, I've got
2: no qualms about people who say he's not ready yet or like David Moyes. I, I, I think it's totally fine to the, to say that Mabama needs a bit more time to develop, genuinely. And I think send him on loan to someone in the middle of the championship and then, you know, might, you might have a, a diamond there in a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. But, what, what, what would you do now then? So, if we assume... We we don't know how bad Bowen is, to be mm-hmm. fair, but assume he's out for a few weeks. What do you do in the meantime? Because I don't want to go to West Ham and see Danny Ings start a game of football.
0: No, no, we can't do that, mate. I think for right now, I'd probably... I'd go with Alvarez and Will Prowse in the middle. I'd have Paquetta in a 10. I'd put Caduce out wide on the right. i will play Mbama, if I'm honest. And then... I mean, this this spot of left wing, it's kind of like we're we're flogging a dead horse, isn't it? Really, with with every option we've got, now's Ben Rama, and Corne. I mean, I'd probably try Corne there, mate. mate I would. I couldn't yeah, agree more. What, what we got to lose? Like, I mean, you know, Ben Rama is is kind of, I mean, he's just he just looks a shadow of. Of the player that had a bit of unlike ingenuity about him last season, a spark. There's just nothing really there. Fonals looks disinterested now. I'll go and give and give Cornet a go. I think you know it's the it's the best we could do right now. But I think you're right. I think if he does persist with Ings up front, he's just you know he's onto a non-starter. Yeah,
2: then then I, I totally get it. You know, I'm forever fighting his corner against our own fans, basically, which yeah, is frustrating. Same, mate, but yeah. yeah, but. I honestly have got no no nah. if he if he plays starts Danny Ings the next few games I'll go well you've you've done that to yourself mate if he then gets sacked or doesn't no. renew his contract I'll go well that's that's on you like there's no defending that Playing no. Danny Ings is defending the indefensible look uh just quickly then Joe on on David Moyes his contract's up at the end of the season which well, is the 20th of November now that's not a great deal of time You know, Mm. Before you know it, the Christmas period will be on us and we'll be halfway through the season. It's been a great start to the campaign. I, to be quite frank, would have absolutely no qualms whatsoever. In fact, I'd be delighted if West Ham announced that David Moyes has signed a two-year contract extension tomorrow. I'd be absolutely thrilled. Um, James Jones in our BBC Sport column for the podcast this week um, has talked around it and he's saying, look, you know, if Moisey wants a contract and wants to extend his time at West Ham, the next up to the end of the Christmas period, will you'll be able to tell how much he wants it. And does he play it safe, which is sort of he's been criticised for before and doesn't always go in his favour or does he roll the dice, take a gamble and prove, you know, sort of go down fighting to prove that he wants to stay here. What, what, what do you make of that Moyes situation, given his contracts up at the end of the season? What, you know, what
0: do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's crucial for the kind of foresight of the club to to nail him down, really, to, as you say, to a two-year deal. I mean, he's gone above and beyond and nerd that for me. I mean, first bit of silverware in 43 years, you know. you And I think... Going forward, looking at the January window, which I think is crucial if this news about Antonio is to be believed that he'd be out for three-odd months. We need to get strikers that will fit Moyes' system. I think that the transfer policy has been too kind of in-between. I know that there was reports of him as Steyer not agreeing on targets and stuff like that. But I think if we were to give Moyes a two-year deal now, there'll be a clear sort of plan of the, the type of player that we'd want to sign going forward because they'd be playing in, in Moise's system. And I think it's crucial, mm. really. Um, and uh yeah, I think I just hope he, you know, if it if it does come down to this this December run that we've got, I hope he just goes for it because he should be getting the backing of the, all the fans and, and the board alike, I think, for what he's done for this football club. So, you know, mate, as you say, I think if he was to sign a, a two year deal tomorrow, I'd be buzzing with it. Do
2: you think what do you think will happen then? because well, I, I I've sort of it's only really come onto my into my sphere really. And we've obviously mm-hmm. mentioned it before, but it's getting to the time now where you don't want to let this sort of thing go too long, do you? Like you don't want to let it go into a few weeks before the end of the season and there's a, a little bit of sort of mystery around it. you don't yeah. want to let that have. We don't know to be honest, we don't know if David Moyes wants to stay at the club no, quite true. honestly. He might have gone, you know what, I've had a good run here. It's, it's time for a break or time for a change. Um, See what I can do this year in the Europa League. And it might be, we're at the Europa League, we don't qualify again. Mm. And he goes, you know what, time for a, time
0: for a change. But what, what do you expect and think will happen? I mean, worryingly, I expect our ball to kind of flip-flop in between, you know, what to do with him, which is you know, what they've done on big decisions in the past. Um and I think they might just leave us in limbo a little bit, which is very worrying. I could see them kind of waiting until, you know, to see if we get European football again next season before making a decision. But mate, that's that'd which, be
2: that'd be know,
0: before you know I, know, that. I think that's but,
2: too, you can't that's too much instability, I think.
0: I completely agree, mate. And I find that really worrying, but honestly that is what I think they'll do. Uh, I hope they don't. I really do. I hope they don't. I hope um, we get assurances, you know, within the next month or so. But I think whatever happens, you know, I think a lot of it should be on on whether David Moyes wants to continue. It should be down to him. You know, it should be his decision whether he wants to continue because he's given us as fans, you know, things that will live with us forever. Um, and it, he should be able to go out on his own, his own terms, I think.
2: I, I sort of agree with that. I also think, you know, if, if he just starts doing a terrible job, then, yeah. you know, you can't just hold on. But, you know, I wouldn't, I, I use this analogy a lot. Trevor Brooking gave some West Ham fans some amazing memories, but you wouldn't play him on the left wing, right? People have their time, right? I say I feel about Antonio. I almost, I always feel bad having a go at him because he has always sort of tried hard. Mm. But in my opinion, where West Ham are at a club, we should have moved on from him by now. It's almost not his fault that he mm. kept getting wheeled out there. He should be playing for a, a Bournemouth or a Burnley or a, even a top-level championship team. Um, so I, I'm not really of the view that because of what Moyes has done before, too much, you know, but it's, it's still very recent. And we're still in Europe. In my opinion, he's yeah. still doing well. So I Definitely don't yes. understand how and why there's even debate over it. But, um, yeah, I think... The club need to do something one way or the other. Listen, Joe, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast. Um, to joining us for another Claret and Blue View, uh with Will Pugh, as Jonesy absolutely loves me calling it. <laughs> um, just before I let you go, mate, uh Burnley this weekend, obviously. Um, but uh, for the rest of this season, whatever happens with Moyes for the rest of this season and then beyond. What does success look like for you for West Ham and and what do you hope, want and expect
0: from from your football club who you love so much? Um, Yeah, mate, I think success this season would be finishing eighth, maybe in the conference league positions. I think having a real good go at Europa League, um, you know, if we can get to like a semi-final or quarters even would be amazing. Um, I think having a good go at the FA Cup, I think... Giving Liverpool a good run in the League Cup as well, maybe getting to the semis, and then you know, who knows what can happen after that. Just having a good run in in uh, in all the cup competitions that are available to us, and you know, if we you know if we do finish sort of mid-table, I think that's okay. But you know, as long as we give them them a good go, but I think getting European football again next season is crucial to to retaining a lot of key members of this squad and also attracting. Um, you know some other players whether that's with Moyes or without so for me just re-qualifying for Europe whether that's Conference League, Europa, whatever would be a massive success this season for me.
2: Yeah I totally agree mate I totally agree listen Joe it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the We West Stand podcast for the first time really appreciate it Thank and you, uh, I think uh, I need to I need to find someone I need to find a passionate Moyes out uh fan to have on this because the last couple of guests i've had i don't know whether it's because lots of people just aren't idiots on twitter who are just there for clout or Mm. it's just people think that i'm just getting people on who agree with me on particularly on david moyes but also on side Rama and Mikel antonio which are my pet peeves these days but look i i I love supporting west ham at the moment It's, it's really enjoyable i can i can tell that that you do too and i think the more people I talk to, the more I air my views, the more I am aware that it's people of our generation, mate, and a bit older, perhaps, who've watched us be crap for most of their life, that uh, that think the way we do. Quite honestly, it's way more enjoyable because you're not just fuming and angry all the time, like a lot of the Moise Out Brigade are. Exactly. But, um, Listen, mate, I've got a lot of respect for you. I know you you spend a lot of time and money supporting our club, just like so many other fellow fans. Uh, I know I saw you out in Olympiacos, of course. Didn't know you were there until I bumped into you and your sister at the airport. Um, But I know you'll be there if we get through to the knockout stage of the Europa League. And uh, yeah, I shall be with you too. Uh, Really, really enjoyed having you on the podcast, of course. Thanks to Lou and Steve for setting up. Just quickly, mate, what do you think the score's going to be then this weekend against Burnley? I'm going to go for a 3-1 West Ham win. 3-1 West Ham win. That is yes. Joe Connell there chatting to us on the We Are West Ham podcast, Clarence Blue View with me, Will Pugh. You will have, I don't even know actually, as I'm recording this, I don't know whether this will be wedged in with the podcast with me and Jonesy or it'll be a standalone one. Whichever the case, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And either stay tuned for more from me and Jonesy or thanks very much. See you next time. West Ham massive. Up the hammers. Coming your irons.
1: Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast.
2: The We Are West Ham podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West Ham business in the West Ham family by giving Miriam a call or a shout. It's Miriam Errington Conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under.